The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Good to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we're ready to get to it. We'll spend some time with Jay Moore, Husker NFLer, and uh, of course, uh, co host Big Red Wrap Up. Get his take on kind of the new 2.0 version of, of linebackers. Uh, his thoughts on Tebow. I'm sure Jay has been golfing. So uh, we'll uh, spend some time talking uh, some big red ball with uh, with Jay Moore, Charlie McBride, Mister Blackshirt in one hour, Greg Smith on recruiting, and then the uh, Lincoln Football Coaches Association are having their meet and greet event tonight. And uh, longtime coach at uh, Lincoln North Star, just a great coach, loved covering his teams. Mark Waller going to be with us at five forty. Numbers to get in today: four six six three seven seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and uh, give us an email if you like, Chris at Hale Varsity. Dot com. We'll dive into uh, some of the transfer portal topics. Specifically, you're, you're now out of 2019 wide receivers for Nebraska football. That might be okay. That is okay based on what you have in the cupboard now. But we'll uh, discuss that a little bit. And Husker baseball, a, uh, a gutsy win today to go 3-1 and one in the Piscataway pod and that was a marathon. Coach Bolton, the boys, got it handled seven to six in extra innings. So uh, that keeps uh, Nebraska's slim hopes of, of hosting a regional alive. We'll see what happens this weekend with an opportunity against Northwestern. And I know Michigan looms, but as we talk now, Nebraska just a half game back of first place Indiana. Would have been really cool for Nebraska to get a 4 0 sweep. You felt like Nebraska could respond the right way. They did. They went 3-1 and one over the weekend and into today. Uh, took uh, the, the Povich was incredible on uh, on Saturday. And then they dropped uh, the second game to Indiana 4-2. to two. And then you got a bit of revenge on, on Rutgers. And uh, you, you left no doubt uh, uh, with the 15-5 the to five or 15-3 to, to beatdown. At one point, that thing was 15-3. to three. Uh, Rutgers was was kind of a mess, and Nebraska had to hang on. So we'll spend some time on that. So I, I just want to kind of get caught up with you, with me, and uh, and some family stuff. Not that you're tuning in for that, but a guy that's been a monster part of my life, uh, and it always kind of centered around Nebraska football. 
Uh, Cousin Dino, you've heard me talk about. You've heard him on the show. Uh, You heard him uh, do his predictions last fall. Uh, Cousin Dino, Dean Schmidt, uh, the pride of Madison County in Nebraska, uh, passed away on Saturday. So as soon as we went to the Rewind on Saturday morning, I got the news. That's why I was in North Carolina. Uh, Dean had been battling cancer and just what what a warrior. First and foremost, uh, Cousin Dino is and was. And uh, we were able to kind of get the heads up that we need to go see him and say goodbye. So uh, the the company here has been so awesome. Elijah, you're awesome. Cranax, phenomenal. Everybody was able to get uncomfortable with Schmidt on the road and uh, doing a show via remote. Uh, and, and we did it. So I got to do Friday's show, if you tuned in, and if you didn't, no worries, uh, from, from Cousin Dino's kitchen table just to spend Friday with him. We got in late uh, Thursday night, and, uh, and Dino passed and, and went to go visit my dad in heaven uh, on, uh, on Saturday morning. So those two were having a good time. But just in my life with Cousin Dino, and it started out, man, and, and you either are this Nebraska fan in your family or you know someone close to you as a Nebraska fan that you've had so many memorable moments together and it and it's centered around Nebraska football. And I look at from when I could could walk and crawl and talk, visiting cousin Dino when he lived in Houston, or going down to see him to, to watch the Astros and Nolan Ryan, right? And then it kind of expanded to just some incredible times with family at some really awesome moments in Husker football time. He'd always come up wherever he was living, mainly in Texas, for the Oklahoma game. And we'd have a a great time to to catch up and see one another. And he was like my dad's brother, okay? And he was so important to me uh, with just family members that have passed here recently, just being there for me. And, you know, you go back to the Oklahoma games or he'd always either meet us out in Boulder or, or, or be in Lincoln for, the, for those kind of vintage Nebraska-Colorado matchups. And he was a big North Texans for Nebraska guy. And uh, he really disliked the Longhorns. <laughs> and so just in even moments in my life, even when I got into broadcasting, he was the one guy in Memorial Stadium that put a headset on and listened to me do my college radio play-by-play debut against Colorado in the year 2000. Chris Brown, the game winner, if you're scoring at home. So between you know the Fiesta Bowl games uh, where Tommy Frazier was incredible and Nebraska captured a, a back-to-back championship or Sue going off on Texas in 09 in the Big 12 championship game, or just being back here for a game or two. And Dino was such a diehard Nebraska fan that dude bought an RV and then once Frost got hired, toured and went to every game while his health permitted. And what was special is some of you bought those cardboard cutouts to fill Memorial Stadium. Well, what we were able to do as a family is after my dad passed away, get a cutout of my dad and get a cutout of Dino and put them together in the north end zone and uh, we were able to bring that cut out um, back to uh to dean uh friday afternoon so i love you much dino uh rest in peace you're not suffering anymore bud and uh, well fought 
So that's uh, that's my story. That's how this weekend's gone. And um, thinking about him and uh, his uh, lovely family. Let's uh, switch gears and uh, head into uh, the transfer portal a little bit. A little bit b- less gloomy topic. The transfer portal might be more gloomy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, your, your 2019 recruiting class is now uh, gonzo. As uh, Jamie Nance, Demirian Houston gone, Wondell Robinson obviously off to Kentucky. And uh, you didn't get much prediction out of Woodyard or, or Mike Williams. And it really, you know, you can ask yourself why and how, and you look at holes in position groups, you just can't have them. And Nebraska's had them. Why? Well, you've had coaching transition, all right? You've, you've had coaching transition, and it's not as stable as it once was with Ted Gilmore and Rich Fisher, first and foremost, Okay. Two really good wide receiver coaches, and they recruited their butt off. Alonzo Moore, Demorne Pearsonell, Stanley Morgan, Brandon Riley, Katie Bell, Quincy Anunwa, Jordan Westerkamp. Uh, we can throw in Seath and Carter, too. You know, that wide, end tied, uh, wide receiver tight end. Uh, and then Keith Williams was here, and I think Keith Williams is an awesome coach. Clearly, the NFL's best of the best go see him. He was just hired by Baltimore. But Keith Williams would always swing for the fences and and he'd get some dudes here and just it, it never it never stuck right they they Nebraska would be on national TV as an A or a B choice with USC or UCLA or Oregon or go go down the list okay and and Nebraska would finish second a lot of times to some dude that was, you know, really high level for Nebraska and just another dude for USC in the wide receiver room. And then and then you you, you get Troy Walters that, that came in. And listen, I've done my homework on Troy Walters and I've talked to enough people and I and I've looked at his coaching resume and I know he's been gone. But the the bar tab on him and, and this happens with all coaching positions. You either hit or you miss or you get some production, but it, it's quite frankly a miracle between development and talent coming together to go get an all conference guy, let alone an all American, and have a guy do it for a couple of three years. Okay. You if you're good, you hit on fifty percent of your recruiting class. And you pray that you find some erasers along the way, either through JUCO, through walk-on, through transfer, or you just have guys stay in the room. And, and we know what the, the, the landscape is like now in the world of transferring. Walters is, is a guy that's an assistant receivers coach for, for Cincinnati. He's in the NFL. He was recruiting coordinator at Colorado. He coached for, for Zach and his father-in-law at A&M. So he had been at some pretty high-level spots with some pretty high-level receivers, and you saw the production at Central Florida, right? But something just wasn't clicking here. He moved on, and Nebraska went and got Coach Lubick. And we look at the wide receiver room now, Elijah, and that's why it doesn't sting with Nance and, and Houston leaving. I think they're they're super freaky athletic and talented but they were just buried, 
And and I guess my question, and I'll talk to Jay Moore about this too. It's on the defensive perspective, but you know what what is that that shot clock? What's that hourglass like? What's the timeline like for when you get here to show you can do something? And then kind of make your headway up the depth chart. And really, that's what it comes down to to me with Nance and Houston. Where are they going to fit in between Martin and Toure and Omar and Betts and Nixon and Elante Brown and Wyatt Luer? We just listed off seven wideouts and two more that left the room. Nebraska's wide receiver room, assume, assuming Manning can stay on track, practice, health, and then get to the field. You went and got Toure, which is incredible. You, you think you feel pretty good about Betts as, as a guy that's got all the physical tools. There's just got to be some more of the playbook with him. And, and then you got Oliver Martin, who, from a talent standpoint, I mean, good enough to play ball at Michigan and Iowa, or at least get get the, yeah, dude, come play ball for us. So, it, it's not a good thing to, to, to lose skill positions, but I think Nebraska's wide receiver room, they've got to prove it on the field, clearly. But it finally is, some sta- is stabilized with some depth now. And under the Walters regime, you inherited Spielman, did awesome. You inherited Stanley Morgan, did awesome. But, but after that, um, really not so much. Was brought in, retained, and developed. And then he's gone, and now if you're Lubick, you saw the, the struggles in Nebraska's passing game last year. Um, that needs to end. You think it can end because of your options. And from a quarterback standpoint, you've got a guy who's been here 100 years with, with a lot of talent. He needed someone to throw to. I think Nebraska's got some guys to throw to. Uh, I, I just This is a case in point of landscape, a college football transfer portal, and really a lot of years – of trying to swim upstream with a monsterly important position group in that wide receiver room that has been, uh, quite honestly, a detriment to the offense. It doesn't feel like it's going to be now. Yeah, and, and, and that's I, nothing against the two that, that left. Yeah, all I see this as it's clear in the logjam. It's nothing against those two guys, uh, Houston and Nance. But whenever you have six or seven guys behind your top three who are all neck and neck, um, I mean. A couple of those guys have to get playtime, and majority of them are not. Uh, so really to, to get better in college football, uh, to be able to improve, to be able to, to get attention from NFL scouts, CFL scouts, what have you, you need to be on the field. And I think these guys just saw the writing on the wall with more freshmen coming in this summer and going, you know what, there's too much of a logjam here for us to really ever see the field. And I really think you need to be seeing the field by the end of your second year uh, here at Nebraska if you want to be making a real impact on this team, um, especially in this Frost administration uh, with some of these like you know four and eight teams that he's been fielding. If you're not seeing the field by the end of your second year, it's a it's a long uphill battle to try to get on the field, get some playing time because of the new guys he's bringing in. Well, and how do you get on the field? Well, you know what the playbook is. You're decent at executing the no block, no rock type mentality, but also. Can you separate? And when I look at the physical skill sets of, of a guy like Houston and Nance, I mean, those guys are speed demons. But they are also, there's three other wideouts that are big guys coming in here this summer. I mean, we're, we're not mentioning the three kids that are 6'1 or 6' or over. I mean, th- this is part of the transition that was necessary 
to, to be effective throwing the football, and that's getting bigger bodies. And Nebraska has bigger bodies at, at wide receiver. And with Nance and Houston Wishamwell, man, it, I mean, it would have been fun to see those guys stick and stay and, and be productive. But, you know, best wishes to them as they go try and find a college football home for them that, that they can go play. And, and maybe this it, – it, and it doesn't. It doesn't translate a lot of times with high school to college. And the way I see this is this is what Frost thought he needed to succeed at Nebraska and now learning what he actually needs to succeed at Nebraska. His, his speed demons worked down at UCF, but now you're in a Big Ten conference where most of the guys you're going to be lining up against are bona fide 4 four forty guys. Uh, yeah. So whenever you have a speed demon, you also got to have the rot running on top of it. Um, and then you look at guys like Manning, uh, who can go up and high point a ball and out jump a cornerback. And, and that's what needs to happen because Omar is that 4-4 guy, but he well, can also You're going to th- uh-huh. throw that, that damn sideline pass. Yep. You need a big guy to block outside. Uh, we'll talk with Jay Moore here. Blackshirt Husker NFLers next. Get his thoughts on the linebacker position and when you got to pop in college football. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Well, uh, Jamie Nance off to Texas State. That was an hour ago. That, that, that's, a recently, that's a recently revived program, isn't it? Didn't they? I think so. I think they went under for a couple years, and I think now this is their second or third year back, if I remember correctly. All right. Uh, let's figure that out. I know uh, offers from Texas State. Let me hit the brakes on that thing. Utah State as well, the former fighting Craig Smith. We say hi to, to Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, and uh, you hear him and watch him on uh, Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, what's up? How's the weekend? Uh, it was good. It was uh, it was a good weekend. Good Mother's Day. Nothing... Uh... Nothing much happened. Weather wasn't too great, so uh, but just kind of hung out and took care of mom yesterday as much as we could, and you know, now it's another week. So, did you do uh, breakfast in bed, or did you just say we're we're just going to make breakfast, Mav? <laughs> well, you know what? She actually had to work yesterday, so that wasn't a great Mother's Day. But we went to we went to a work. We got lunch with her, and then uh, then we went out and got dinner last night. So, I, when I said we did try to take care of as best we could i don't know not too many moms have to work on their on mother's day but uh but my wife did and so we hung out for a little bit as much as we could and and tried to wine and dine her and have flowers and all that stuff <laughs> good for you man she's a good mom she deserves it she she puts up with two boys at home so uh <laughs> she has her hands full good work well executed with the dinner plans so yeah. jay what's your take here on when you just kind of just get hunkered down with a, a position group that is is just kind of void, and and I don't look at the wide receiver room that way now because of the, the the talent accumulation. But you need to see it uh, this this year. We didn't really see it the last couple of years, right? With a lot of options or separation, frankly, for for Nebraska to to get their passing game going to where it wanted to. Do you look at it as just misses on the on the recruiting trail, lack of development, tough to project, or is it kind of a symptom of, uh, of part of the coaching change where you're shuffling different puzzle pieces into, you know, every three or four years new offenses? You know, I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, it's 
change of systems, you know, change of plans, change of verbiage, you know, some some recruiting misses probably, you know, guys get here. And, I mean, we've had uh, – well, you guys are just speaking on it before I hopped on with you, but, I mean, we've had um, – you may have a number. How many wide receivers that we had go in the transfer portal, transfer portal, portal here in the last, you know, two or three years? I mean, it's – it seems like it's getting about 10, <laughs> to be well, honest. I, I so think you're not far off with that number. I mean, yeah. you're, you're 0 for yeah. 2019 now. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, and, and then you have, you know, and, and they aren't producing very, you know, it's, but I always look at it. So you have that, the miss on talent, not producing, okay, but you've also had, you know, some injury issues at QB, you know, Adrian, had some injuries, you know, you have Noah Bedrill, you have Luke McCaffrey, who wasn't a very good thrower. Then you have O-line issues, you know, and, and they've gotten a little better, but it's kind of, it's kind of a, like, worst of both worlds, you know. You just, everything was just, offense wasn't clicking. I mean, you just wasn't happening. I mean, our best, you know, production in, 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 in wide receiver was, was I, I believe, a, a Mike Riley recruit in, uh, in Morgan. So, in Stanley Morgan's, and, so I look at that, and it's it's hard. It's 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 really hard. I mean, Nebraska's never been known for a wide receiver school. Let's be honest. But you know, in today's day and age, you got to have some big physical guys that's on the edge and who can block in the system. That's that's one thing, and they need you got to be able to block to to play. And then you got to make catches, and you got to you got to produce. And you know, we're, we're getting there. Uh, you know, I think with with bets and and. Um, you know, Torre and Oliver Martin mm-hmm. and, you know, Manning, and hopefully he can keep his head in it, stay healthy, and, and, uh, and becomes, you know, what we know he can become. You know, we're, we're, we're getting there. You saw some young guys behind there, but yeah, it's, it's tough. But I, you know, I, you don't, you don't win a lot of championships with having, you know, elite wide receiver groups. I mean, you win championships with good QB play and a good run game and a good O line group, you know, and having a good wide receivers on the edge. That's just kind of a, you know, an extra, you know, icing on the cake, but, you know, it's, it's, it is a little perplexing, but, you know, nothing to, you know, everything, I think this last, let's be honest, the last, hell, I mean, decade been very perplexing in the football program. So uh, having these wide receivers, that's just kind of <laughs> not, not to be surprised anymore. And honestly, with this transfer portal stuff, it's, you know, you're going to have, it's become more and more common. You're going to have, guys leave at the end of the season. You're going to have guys that are going to leave at the end of spring ball. It's just going to be, this is what it is now when you are able to do this and, and have kind of an extra year to play with. So just kind of got to get used to it. Jay Moore is with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Moore 44 on Twitter. Uh, you see him on Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, a thought with, with you and your career and just kind of when, when it – when the urgency kicked in for you, either with new recruits coming in and you were part of a coaching transition, also when you were able to get big enough and fast enough and strong enough to, to go compete and then go really have a shot at a job, okay, as a defensive end, and, and you, you kept that job and performed really well at it, obviously, for a number of years, but... Take us through, from your perspective and point of view, just how your experience went. I know we just got done talking about the wide receiver room, but I'm anxious to hear uh, from you just when it kind of clicked. 
Yeah, it, it took it took time for me. Uh, it took a while. I, I don't think things really clicked for me until my junior year. And you know, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't. I mean, I, I think I might have been a, a four star back in 2002, but you know, I don't think I was pressured into trying to play early. I was super new. I was really raw at the defensive end position. You know, I was a running back in high school and played a stand-up defensive end and a six-two defense in high school. I mean, I never rarely put my hand in the ground. So I had to learn. Um, I had to learn to get comfortable in a three-point stance. I had to learn, you know, playing in a six technique, a, a five technique, and all these things. I had to get more comfortable rushing the passer, you know, understanding the, the nuances of, of a Division One defense and not, you know, high school defense where you might have maybe three to four calls throughout the year, you know, and that's, that took me time. I had to get, I had to get stronger. I would, I was, I was, I would think I was maybe 245, 250 pounds. When I went there as a freshman. I mean, plenty of guys play at that, play at that weight mm-hmm. um, when they come in, but I had to get stronger. Um, I had to learn to play with technique and that took, that took time. That took a lot of time for me. And I was pretty patient. I never got too, too impatient. Um, in Nebraska is where I wanted to be the whole time. But uh, it, it was, in, you know, I started playing my sophomore year, and there were some, some games were good, some games were bad. And like I said, I was raw, but things really didn't click until my junior year, and that's where things really, really took off for me. And I started playing at a higher level and, and playing well in big games against, you know, big-time opponents, you know, playing well against, you know, the Oklahomas and the Texas Techs. You know, in Big 12, you know, anybody can go out and play, you know, well against you know, Maine or whoever it is, you know, in, in early season conference, but, uh, you know, playing well against, against good big-time uh, opponents. So it took some time. It definitely took some time. But, you know, I, I think nowadays that's, that's the hard part is people hear about kids. You have, you have so much more information on young kids coming in, and, and uh, you know, they expect them. You know, they have every stat, and they can watch film of every game they played in high school, and they see it. Ooh, he should be able to come in and play right away, and then that pressure gets put onto him, and it's really not fair because it's a hard transition coming from you know high school to playing at elite level and in Big Ten conference. So I think you know every every kid, every every player's story is different. You know, I was fortunate enough to be from here, live here, you know, 45 minutes an hour away. You know, some kids are you know 1,500 miles away from home, and that's hard. You know, when you've never left home, that's that's a tough transition on kids. So uh, mine took some time. Um, and, you know, I excelled my, my junior year. And uh, some kids will be quicker. Some kids uh, will be even longer. But that's just, you know, it's a case-by-case uh, uh, situation. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, is what it is. I know, I know people expect a lot of these young kids coming in now. But, you know, you gotta, you got to be patient with young talent coming in. You know, you, you, you just have to. Um, as, much as, as much as you want to see, you know, someone, you know, I – come in as a true freshman you know there's not too many adrian petersons and you know reggie bushes and you, you go down the list who come in and excel as a, as a freshman in college you know it's that's those, those are hard to come by so uh but you know you got to be patient with these kids nowadays jay moore's with us jay a couple minutes before we got to say goodbye do you see it as a case where the kids get impatient or do you think all right the position coach will get it. And I'm not directing this at Nebraska. I'm just asking the question, are the position coaches more likely to get impatient? Because they're bringing in wide receivers as a case in point. I mean, you brought in three more wide receivers here for this 2020 Mm -hmm. class. So you can kind of tell 
either if the kid's working to get better or, okay, I don't know that he'll ever hit his ceiling, so we need to look elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I think the kids might get a little more impatient, to be honest. I think, you know, coaches have to be able to trust their players. They can't, you know, they seem after a couple of years, you know, you start losing trust. And, you, know, if they, you know, if they're still there and they get it, like, that's fine. I mean, that's, I think coaches have patience, but you have to have, to have you know, trust. To be able to play in that game, you have to have trust. But I think players get a little impatient because, you know, how many, you know, when these kids sign at Nebraska or, you know, any of these elite, you know, power five schools, you know, the attention they get in high school is unlike any other with whether it's rivals, 24-7, you know, CBS, you just go down the list of, you know, magazines and what are these podcasts and you just go down the, you know, all this attention they get and, you know, and they, they kind of get a little delusional, I think at times and think that they're going to be, you know, the next greatest player at, you just named the college, and they're going to be the next, you know, greatest thing at this school since, you know, whatever first-round draft pick. And, you know, that's that's unfair to them. And that's that's hard. And I think they probably get more impatient because they get the attention. They get the attention in high school, but they haven't even done anything yet. You know, that's just, that's what's hard. And the, the transition is so tough. I think the transition is greater, you know, sometimes going, going from high school to college and it's from college to NFL. So it's, that's hard on kids, and you know I think they just get too impatient. Uh, they and, and that's, that's a good thing to expect a lot, you know. And you think you should be able to start day one or become all conference day, you know, at the end of the season of your freshman year or whatever. But you know it's hard for kids to be sat down and say you're going to redshirt or you got to do scout team work. That's tough because they've never had to do that before. They've been the man everywhere they go, and all of a sudden they're not the man. You know they're they're a they're a big fish in a small pond. Now they're now they're a, a fish in a huge ocean with a bunch of big fish, you know, so it, that gets a little frustrating for them. So I think the players nowadays probably get more impatient than the coaches do. Jay Moore's with us. Jay, we'll catch up next week. Good perspective. Thanks for taking a few minutes today, bud. Yep, no problem. Talk to you guys soon. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. All right, so like clockwork, without probably streaming the show on ESPN Lincoln, Junior is trying to pitch me to take him to go get a wood bat because he's in a wood bat tournament this weekend which they're awesome i love wood bats they're really cool the sound of the ball hitting a wood bat is just 10 times better than than an aluminum bat assuming your child can hit (laughs) said ball on on wood bat hey even a foul off if it's a foul tip it's good enough right Oh, and then also, if, if he strikes out, you can break it over his knee. You can't well, get out with the metal bat. Yeah, just let's let's just go get a grade one contusion so we can add a hospital X-ray bill to to this new wood bat. You know, and he's going to be YouTube and Bo Jackson between now and Friday and see if he can't just karate chop that bastard in half after you you swing and miss. That that was one of those videos of Bo Jackson breaking that. Did bat. You see the one over his helmet? No. Oh, dude. Yeah, he was. He's just. He had a bat on his on his head, and he just like as a toothpick. It's one of those things that I don't think 
as a kid, I appreciated enough because I just assumed that I'd grow up to be big and strong, and that was just something adults could do. And then I <laughs> no, grew older. Bo Jackson yeah. can do. <laughs> I got older, and I like would see a wooden bat, and I'd go, "There's no way in hell anyone can break that thing." <laughs> no, no. So I, I don't know. I, I applaud his gutsiness to say, "Hey, you want to take me to to go get a wood bat later?" Mom said she'd split it with you. No, the correct answer is, what are you chipping in on this? And his argument's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll use it more. And I'm like, doesn't your coach already have like 10 wood bats? He's like, yeah, but these, these, the, the one I want's better. And I don't know. I kind of want to go get it for him. I, but I, I am absolutely sick to death of, like, I, I, I went downstairs to let the dogs out. And I, I kind of peeked in his room. Lights were on carpets covered with clothes that have supposed to have been put away like three days ago and the kid clearly hasn't showered because he's 14 and it just smelled so funky in there <laughs> it about, about knocked me over and it's the same thing like if he gets grounded his behavior will change briefly but he's still just a pig uh, I'm, my question is is how is one wood bat better than the other like he's saying like oh if i get my own it'll be better is it just because it's yours is that why it's better like i think is it a different kind of wood i, I, I was under the impression that wooden bats were just pieces of lumber that were shaped in a special way you know with this storm that apparently rolled through saturday I, we should just go looking for a, a tree that was hit by lightning and then carve our own wood bat and pretend it's wonder boy and maybe he'll hit like roy hobbs well, I was going to say, with, with the prices of lumber right now, there's no way you're going to be able to yeah. just go and get a yeah. two-by-four and form it. Yeah, he's like, this, this wood bat really isn't $130. It was $130 pre-pandemic. So I don't know. I got I to gotta make a decision by the end of the show. It is pretty much it. I mean, he's like, room's clean, clothes are put away, I'm working on confirmation now. Of course you are, you ass kiss. See, you, you just got to make sure to confirm with him that this is not going to be one of those purchases that is used one time and then remains in the garage. Yeah, for the he'll next have he'll years. have a few games this week weekend, mm -hmm. and if he wants to use it during practice, great. But I mean, it's been doing quite well with the other forty-eight bats we've purchased him this year. Hitting Tim Tebow, Jacksonville signing Tim, Tim Tebow as a tight end. Yay or nay? He has not played in eight years, four months, and ten days. Uh, Urban, listen. Here's here's my initial take. Tim Tebow's not broke. I think he got paid well to to moonlight with the Mets. I think he makes really good cake. When he was on the SEC Network, he was in the NFL long enough to not set that money on fire. The difference now is they want him as an as an H back. And Tebow's 33 years old, one-year contract. He's got to make the team, obviously. Never played that position in high school, college, or his previous three-year NFL career. But it's Urban Meyer. And when Bill Belichick says, Timmy, I'd like you to switch to tight end eight years ago, and that doesn't happen, the guy also has a playoff win over Pittsburgh. I mean, you remember the Tebow years as a quarterback, don't you? I was kind of wowed that he just found ways to win. I know it's probably a painful time because it was always an 8-8 eight and eight or a 9-7. and seven. 
but the guy could throw the deep ball. Accuracy was an issue. The quarterback counter with a lead block was always devastating for a Denver touchdown in the red zone when they'd run him. But I don't know. Uh, This is straight up a thank you from Urban Meyer to Tim Tebow. And if you can't help your friends out when you get in high positions, what's the point? I guess is my response. Will he, can he make the roster? And are you going to be keeping a, a, a more deserving player off of that 53-man roster? I mean, you don't get a joke around or jack around, quite honestly. Do you keep him on the practice squad if he doesn't make the 53-man? I think he could probably be okay five years ago as an H-back. I don't know that he's going to be that effective as a 33-year-old. This is a little press. Do you want Tebow in your locker room? That was the big problem uh, eight years ago. The distraction, the Tebow mania that existed. Clearly, it's died down, but he gets hired for a lot of things. And you can't hate on that. Good for him. I just don't know that this is the answer for Jacksonville as a starter or a backup or a practice squad guy uh, when it comes to, to H-back. I don't know what you're doing other yeah. than it's, it's your boy that won a Heisman and helped you win two national titles. I mean, I'm just looking at the, the, the free agent tight ends that are available right now, and there is still a lot that are younger than Tim Tebow. You got Tyler Eifert, Jake Butt, uh, Trey Burton, uh, Eifert I mean, and Butt are good. Yeah, there, or, there's other tight ends you could sign here that have a played in the NFL more recently. B actually played tight end before. Um, it, it's confusing. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I mean, I'm not t- mad about it either. I'm just like this is a reach. Yeah, Tim Tebow's era as Broncos starting quarterback was probably my favorite era of being a Broncos fan, including the Peyton Manning years, which included a Super Bowl. But Tim Tebow was excitement uh, on the Denver Broncos, and I loved it. I loved every minute of Tim Tebow being the Denver Broncos starting quarterback, regardless of whether he could throw a ball accurately more than 20 yards downfield. It didn't matter. It was excitement, and I will forever love Tim Tebow for that. I will root for him in Jacksonville, but I'm not 100% sure what the Jacksonville front office is doing here. Beat, uh, he won a playoff game going deep, you know? Well, it, that was sort of deep. Mm. That, 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 that was a, a deep crossing pattern that Demarius Thomas just took for 80 yards. <laughs> that was sweet. I, great. <laughs> a lot of yards after catch. I will give you that. You know, we'll see how long he lasts if it is, in fact, something that can be a reality. Word started leaking out on this during the 2021 draft. And if you're Urban Meyer, see, I don't. I don't think Urban's crazy enough to be like Steve Spurrier or Chip Kelly with this is my system, fun and gun, or the Oregon blur will work. Now, Chip Kelly did go to the playoffs with Philly. I think Chip just wore people out. I don't know. We'll we'll see. And, and, uh, hey, you've got the attention combination of sunshine at quarterback, Urban Meyer is your head coach, and now you have Tim Tebow. So Jacksonville is is now going to be at least relevant <laughs> headline-wise. We'll wind down Hour 1 next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away. Charlie McBride will be with us. Mondays with Charlie. Mr. Blackshirt. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Elijah Herbal. Reminder about West Blue Realty. And uh, get that move figured out for 2021. Are you buying a home? Are you selling a home? Both are in uh, pretty high demand right now, and West Blue Realty will 
make it easy for you. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. They'll make this next move a smooth one. And when you mention Hale Varsity, West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a phone call today at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider at 402-202-2312 for more details. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Good stuff earlier from Jay Moore on that transition from high school to college, the transfer portal, and just kind of being out of bodies or out of people that can contribute in uh, a position group room, and it's felt like that at wide receiver for Nebraska. Nebraska's made those changes quickly, and you feel better about that position group. Greg Smith will be with us. We'll get some more into the recruiting side of things uh, with him. As you've got a little bit of a, a calm before the, the storm with Nebraska recruiting, as official visits will get cranked up here in June. And where's Nebraska stand with some of their top targets? Also, we'll, we'll get his take on just what what went awry specifically in in the wide receiver room for Nebraska because now you're kind of 0 for 2019 and you know you look at the Frost tenure that first year the passing attack was pretty good because you know you had a Pelini recruit stay and and develop uh, under the Riley regime and Stanley Morgan and then JD Spielman was was pretty high level as well and Nebraska now has so many options at the wide receiver room, and, and they've had to go to the portal for it, i.e. Toure. And that guy is going to be such a difference maker for Nebraska this fall, and, and then there's other bodies around him. Guy I'm really anxious to see continue to, to hit that up arrow is Xavier Betts. Yeah, and when you, when you talk about Xavier Betts, he's one of those guys, one of the most exciting options in the wide receiver room last year. People were excited to see him. The hype was building. And then you get to this spring, and what makes me hopeful about this wide receiver room is there's other guys who have, who have taken his place as being the hyped-up guys, and Samari Toure, Oliver Martin, uh, Omar Manning. Those are the guys that have kind of taken the mantle. Xavier Betts is still around. Xavier Betts is still the same athlete, if not even a better athlete, than he was last fall. And yet there's other guys that are, are getting the, the – you know, the name drops from the coaching staff as, as being impressive in the spring. So that's why I, I'm still hopeful on this receiver room for the fall. Well, and with Betts, I mean, if you don't get consistency from Manning, i.e. Monday through Friday practices, Betts is the guy that is, while different from Omar, could be really high level like you're projecting Omar to be. Still a, a young young guy in this offense in, in Xavier Betts. And we talked about making a difference by the, the end of your sophomore year uh, on the field. It's now his, his second year in the program, and he's most likely going to be the guy who's rotating in when Omar Manning's on the sideline. It's going to be Omar Manning out, Xavier Betts in. So Let's get you qualified here for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Caller 9 right now, 466-3776. Caller 9, 466 5865. Collar 9 qualifies now. The Weber Grill, the gift card to Campbell's Nursery, the gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Collar 9, the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff qualify now.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Into Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Mondays with Charlie. Coach, how was the weekend? How's the weather? Oh, the weather's great. The weekend sucked. Well, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> it was raining, cold. It was like winter's coming back again. I and, don't believe it. And you screamed at the... Now. It's, we, we got that cold spell right in the middle of us right now, or maybe it's leaving by now, but <clears throat> we had, um, um, you know, this is supposed to be planting season. It doesn't work too good when it's, you know, in the thirties. So, but today it's in the mid fifties and getting better. You know, it, it's been a slow go of, of warm weather, a tease here or there this spring. And we're already into to mid May and it needs to be, you know, shorts and a t-shirt and sunshine and uh, sunglasses weather, and, and sooner rather than later, it needs to get here. So, you work on that for us, all right? Well, that's what my my wife was talking to me the other day about. It. She said, "You're we go back to Arizona. All you do is get bored because every day's the same. There's no no clouds in the sky and the sun's out, and it's so hot. It gets nice and hot for you. That that never bothered me, but it does. It did her." No, I get you. Coach, I want to talk a little bit here about uh, some different uh, topics. And specifically, I look at Nebraska's wide receiver room and and how they've kind of reloaded and waiting for some of that talent to pop, some younger talent, some transfer talent. And it's it's a bigger room. There's there's bigger body types to, to throw the football to. And, you know, Nebraska has had an issue – with with bigger bodied wide receivers and, and really about everybody in that 2019 recruiting class that was a wide receiver a pass catcher has is either gone or transferred out and and I'm interested to get your take coach McBride on just when when you guys really looked hard at adding a transfer and and what what position group on defense always kind of had you you worried when it comes to depth and, and talent and not much, not much drop off. I mean, how did you guys navigate through that? Well, we, I, I, I think, I think our whole philosophy was different than what it is now. I mean, you know, and maybe today it all changed because, um, you know, out in California, when, where Scott was for a while there, they used a lot of JC kids and stuff like that. I, I've always thought that in, in some ways it was a good thing. Uh, if you needed a position, in other words, if you look back at the junior college players we got, they were, they came in to play because we didn't have anybody. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that, that's set out. But I think, the, you know, when you really start thinking about players, oh, uh, positions and things, you can't satisfy all of them. Mm-hmm. And if you get into that mode, you'll be looking for another job. 
you better find out who the best ones are and you better play them and, and all this switching around and one guy catch one ball and and then the other guy catch one ball and then put somebody else in to catch another one. It's, it's unfair to the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks try to get their themselves lined up with a person. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's pretty much the way it, you know, the way it happens. I mean, I think that, you know, I, we didn't have as many receivers as probably they have now and, and probably not as skilled as we have, we have now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but they were the guys that worked every day and, uh, you know, block like heck. They, we used to call our receivers the block. They were they weren't receivers. They were blockers first and receivers second. <laughs> because, you know, and, I, and that reminds me. You know, kind of the thing I, I remember when going back to Nebraska and Tom mentioned. And the one thing about the reason we run the ball so much is because the weather's so bad. Mm-hmm. And you got a good passing game. That's good. But when the wind comes out, the passing game neutralizes the whole field. And uh, so it isn't. It isn't so much fun. So you better be able to run the football, and or you just get yourself ready and get your resume ready. Charlie McBride's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. That's uh, well put. With kind of your your bread and butter, your your meat and potatoes being the the, the offensive line in your running game, and uh, that's how you're going to win in the Big Ten. And and you know we'll see if Nebraska can go find some guys and be more of a power attack, and then uh, do some play-action work. I always wonder, and, and I get the personnel settings. I understand it. If you can have a, a personnel grouping that's that's really going to stress a defense, but you got to kind of you know crawl before you walk, you know, and, and consistency is right. very, very key. Did you ever feel like, you were you were void at a position group defensively. Did you ever feel panicked? And you said if you didn't have anybody, you went to the JUCO route. You guys went to the JUCO route very few times, but when you did, it felt like defensively anyway. You guys nailed it. Yeah. Well, the thing that the thing that we did, um, you know, was what I remember years saying. I remember actually years saying when we we'd say, well. You know our defensive line look, doesn't look real good. We got to really do something. Well, to, to me that was a great challenge. To me, you know, we, we'll make players. You know, we got to get them. We got to get them to play good. And that was probably the biggest thing. Was defensively was the hardest thing to get because we had such a good reputation on offense. I mean, you you can go back and I mean you can look uh, at it and. You know, I don't know if a lot of these younger fans know, but I think for years we we were in the top three in the nation in rushing, in the mm-hmm. whole nation, sure. year after year after year after year. And and so we were reloading on the offensive line because, you know, we had a great coach there, Mill Tenniper, and and it really was, you know, fortunate for us. Uh, Cleet Fisher and Mill worked together, and then Dan Young. And... um you know, it was that was that that was the whole that was the whole key to the thing. I think Dan was our special teams coach, but he was also our assistant offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. And they were able to split those guys, and they were able to work with them at offensive line. And and one of the things is with our offense, we were uh, Tom was waiting to see how the secondary was going, and when he in in, in simple terms, when 
and they started coming up and protecting against the run because we ran it so good, somebody's going to get behind them. <laughs> and uh, that was when we banged around. But if you look at the you look at the press, the, the book, a number of touchdown passes, you're going to find Nebraska may have been last in the country, last in the conference in, in, in passing, but first in touchdown passes. I mean, it's crazy. But, uh, you know, you, you combine those things. But I always, I always said the weather is important. The size of the player, a lot of times we mention that. It, I think it's, it's, it, it is important if you have a special guy if he can run with it after he catches it, and if he can make people miss after he catches it. But I think if I, when you really find out, you go ahead and take a look at Kansas City, and you can see super midgets ripping all over the place. And um, so there's there's a place for a small person, and there's a place for a big guy. And uh, I always like the guy that's a tweener that could be split and be tight both. <laughs> You know, those are the guys that are usually end up being the really good blockers. Yeah, Tariq uh, Hill absolutely wears out any defense because he'll he'll run a thousand miles per hour, and he'll either catch it or you're sending your defense with him, and here comes Kelsey over the middle. Yeah, that's right. I tell you one thing: the one thing that happens with a lot of the quarterbacks is. They get to a point where they are on the same page that the, the play caller is, mm-hmm. and they they're seeing the same things, and and they're able to even if they see them before sometimes they're able to walk off the side of the field and say, "Hey, coach, <laughs> this guy's really sucking up, or this guy's mm-hmm. really doing this, or he'll jump on this, or he'll jump on this," and. And and so that that's why these receivers are, are are really good at you know when they're good they're good at off the field stuff when they when they get on the sideline and talking to each other and I think that's really important coaching is good you know I mean that, there's no question but when you know the coaches don't get on the field to see what's going on or really get a feel of how fast this guy really is or how quick he is so. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, when it comes to receivers, it's, you know, like I still say, you, if you can't block, you're not going to play. Coach, uh, I wanted to get a thought from you here with kind of what you've seen from the spring and after. There's some younger guys that may not be ready. They may be ready. We just don't know that have been in the program just a little while. You've got some older guys in the program that that are coming back. So I ask you about about pass rush and with the way things are now you can go get a guy in the transfer portal potentially. And you know Nebraska I don't think will do that for quarterback. I don't know if they'll look at it for running back, but I'm anxious mm-hmm. to get your thought if they need to do it. Would you do it for any any of the levels on defense? Would you look at it for D-line, linebacker or in the secondary? Well, they they play a little tighter defense inside than we did, and we were a little looser. And you know, our, we played our, our our outside backers, or what what we ended up either either the backer or the rush end. What we we ended up calling them the rush ends in the four three. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere from a you know from a, what they call a nine technique. Sure. Uh, you know, outside shoulder, which is a tough place to rush from. 
um, and because you got you got to get around and you got a little more distance to go, or a guy inside's got a straight line. Um, but when you get when you get those those guys that uh, can rush from the outside, now we we played. Uh, and this may sound people will look at me, and I mean I go to clinics, they looked at me and went, "You got to be kidding me." We played a yard, maybe a yard and a half outside the guy, really outside the tackle. And I mean, when we cut loose, those tackles better be ready to run because if they can't, there's going to be somebody in the back. That quarterback's going to be hurting. And um, so there's a lot of, and you learn to play the run from there. Believe it or not, I could, you know, nobody, I, I could name a defense and tell you that it's our past, our past defense. Believe it or not, in one of our fronts was our best run coverage. <laughs> Now you figure that one out, and 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 I mean we had our end split way out there, and we had a two technique inside, and we were playing you know gap responsibilities and things like that. But when the ball was snapped, they knew when the backs moved, their angles they they worked on that during the week. What angle the fullback was taken or the halfback, you know, was taken, and whether as an inside out block or an outside in block and things like that. They knew right now. And so from that point, you know, that's a matter of repetition. Um, you know, we had four groups going at once during the teamwork period, and uh, so we had two on offense, two on defense, and then we'd switch. And, you know, it would be, uh, you know, be a lot of repetition, and they'd see a lot of it. And every week we had a 10-minute period of option. Uh, we, we don't see much option anymore, but we always worked on it. Number one is we ran it, and, and it helped us, but we ran it against our people and not against the scout team. Mm. And, um, you know, that really helped us. Uh, it helped us a lot, and uh, I think that uh, this, you, you get more of the speed factor. And Tom would always say, what, play, what, what options do they run? And then he would kind of major in those, those options against us. So it wasn't a period just for the offense. Okay. You know, Charlie, we've got about a minute left here. And, and while we were on the topic of pass rushers, I, I just wanted to ask, with, with Nebraska looking for a pass rusher to, to pop in this year's team, what do you think the most valuable, pass rush, or the most valuable trait in a pass rusher is as they're you know, uh, developing as, as a young college athlete? Well, you know, what I used to do is try at the beginning is even in the, with the older guys, always, I start with every move that I could, you know, I mean, that I really knew about and could work on maybe five or six, six moves, seven moves or so and, and, and show them. And you know what? They're going to look and say, I don't like that. I don't like this. Oh, I like that one. And you know, the young kids will say, I'm going to work on that. And the thing is, is if you go to a pro player, he's got maybe one pass rush and a counter, believe it or not. I mean, that sounds like this guy's lying to me. But they're either ripping, they're either rip players or they're not. Now, if you're going to rip, what means you're coming underneath with your, you know, with a, with a rip, uh, you know, with an arm, arm bar just through the inside. inside. If you're going to swim, you're going over the top of them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're a short guy, you're going to swim? <laughs> no, because you can't even get over his shoulder. You know, so you're going to be a rip guy. 
And so a lot of it has to do with the size of the person as to what he's better at. And, uh, you know, and I think that one thing is, is you have to learn to balance. Balance is a big thing in it. And you have to keep your eyes on the quarterback all the time. I mean, you it, you know, and a lot of times the offensive lineman, when they have a drop-back team, does not know where the quarterback is because there may be pressure from one side and move him to your side. And when he moves him to your side, that maybe changes your pass rush on the move because he may be going outside of you or inside of you, and you may be going outside opposite, and now you have a counter. And that's where a lot of guys will pick up a sack. Charlie. Is because of the quarterback himself has set himself up. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll do this again Monday and we'll we'll have some better weather. Thanks for talking defense with us. Are we gonna do it again? We're gonna do it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'll be good. Okay, have a nice week, guys. See you bye. Now. Take care, coach. And now And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Charlie McBride. That'll be uh, posted, if it's not already, ESPN Lincoln on Twitter. The uh, on-demand section, ESPNLincoln.com. And get the podcast rocking. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. The straight-up breakdown is Greg Smith's podcast. Recruiting Insider with HailVarsity.com and Magazine with us now at Greg Smith HV. Greg, how was the weekend? How are you? Uh, the, the weekend was good. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing all right, man. Doing okay. Uh, just anxious to see where Nebraska may go portal-wise. And we were talking with Coach McBride about that a little bit. I want to go back to, to what happened this weekend, though, and that is Nance and Houston transferring out. And you're kind of 0 for 2019 now uh, as far as Nebraska wide receiver recruits go. Now the uh, cupboard is very full with Martin and Toure and Omar and Betts and Nixon and you got a crew. You got some dudes that can catch the football. Uh, so my question to you is, Greg, what's your kind of assessment here as to why it, it has been so rough, aside from from JD and Stanley, with the Nebraska receiver room? Yeah, I think part of this, and it, it's weird because on one hand you could say, well, those guys weren't cutting it, especially the the two that left this weekend, um, because they had several guys that had come in after them that passed them up on the depth chart and have either are about to play more in the case of like Will Nixon or guys that have already played um, kind of like Oliver Martin and Levi Falk and some others, right? So you, you could, and then we know Samari Torre is going to play a lot too, some, some other guys too. So you could say, well, it was going to be a tough sled for them to get up the depth chart, but also you could say that, you know, going over the 2019 recruiting class and having so many guys at wide receiver that have just been complete non-contributors um, is, is a totally different issue, whether it's misevaluation by the coaching staff or it's not being able to get those guys coached up. It's tough to know because like you said off top, there's a lot of wide receiver talent still in Lincoln and guys to be excited about. So it's hard to make a little bit um, heads and tails of what's actually happening there and how you should feel about the future of the room. Kind of compare the philosophies with me here. What, what sense from a recruiting standpoint do you get from Lubick? What did you feel about Walters and uh, with Keith Williams? What, what, what was their strength and what was an area to improve upon? Walters keeps getting jobs, and they're good jobs. And fellow coaches say, guy can really coach. 
Coach uh, Coach Dubs with Baltimore now, and the who's who the NFL trains with him, and the receiving core he kind of inherited, uh, really killed it. And uh, then he'd also go, you know, big game hunting on on signing day Tuesdays, right? So, right. And then you got Rich Fisher. So you and I. By the way, I've just kind of rattled off four wide receiver coaches in less than a decade. So ding, ding, ding. There's the problem. But, you know, as you kind of group group all the guys I've asked you about, um, you know, what what sticks out and is, is that kind of a end result of this math for an issue at wide receiver the last couple of years? Yeah, kind of. But, but the thing is, is all, and I'm glad you mentioned Fisher, is if you go back and you kind of stack these guys up, Rich Fisher was the best guy of, those, of that group because he meant, he blended kind of identification on the recruiting trail, being able to actually identify good players that could come in and then develop those guys and coach them up, right? Um, and he had so, some really talented players that came through that room. Um, coach Dub was, it, it's funny in a way because his t- talent as a coach absolutely matched the guys that he was going after, he just had a hard time closing the deal and getting those guys to Lincoln. Like, I still wonder that if he was at a place like USC, if like he if he would have just been reeling in five star recruit after five star recruit, churning those guys out because obviously he can coach and those guys liked him. Um, he just had a hard time getting them here. Um, Troy Walters, I think, was a victim of having to make an adjustment that I think the entire staff needed to make and are still kind of making, which is changing the profile of the type of guy that they were going after at UCF versus what they needed in the Big Ten. And I think that that's been kind of a big storyline with mm-hmm. this team in general, but you really saw it at wide receiver. Um, and you're seeing Coach Lubick take a different approach there, and we'll see if that ends up working out for him. Greg Smith is with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Recruiting Insider at Greg Smith HV. Greg, what's happening on the recruiting trail I know it's it's not the end of May, so there's no official visits, but as we're a couple of weeks now removed here, or a week removed from the spring game, you know, what's the feedback with some of the recruits you're talking with, and what's the, the, the official visit lineup look like here, here as we look towards June? Yeah, I think right now what you're hoping for is in Nebraska is that kind of those like very unofficial visit highs that happened uh, from that weekend of guys getting to get out here and see what it was like and be really excited about it. Um, you hope that, that for the, at least for the 2022 class especially, that that carries over um, into being able to convert those into a few more uh, June official visits. Um, I think that the, the list is, is looking good right now. It's, I think they're at nine or ten uh, official visitors. The only thing that really needs to change, and this is where I'm going to find out if they're gaining traction, um, is they need to get a, a pass rusher in here in June. Like, that hasn't happened yet. Um, and either they have some have identified some guys that maybe want to come during the season, which could be totally possible because you do want to get guys here um, during the season to see the actual game experience, um, or they're having issues kind of getting those guys uh, to Lincoln in June. Have to figure out, you know, what's happening there. Uh, but I do know they like to kind of hold some of those spots back uh, for the season because it is more impactful for Nebraska to have guys come during the season versus in June, but they're definitely going to have guys lined up uh, for those June official visits. You know, a couple of thoughts here. Morris, where's the recruitment uh, on Morris right now? The, the stud out of Atlanta, that quarterback spot. Two, how big does the Fordham get for Nebraska when it comes to what Nebraska can do here in early September with potentially some night games or at least more of a window to bring kids here? 
Yeah, I think that Morris Nebraska is in a good spot there. I really like um, the impression that they made um, and what he was able to see during the spring game. Um, I think the Florida State factor of them dropping off um, because they took a second quarterback also helps. So things kind of line up for Nebraska in that case. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either he tries to make a decision before a June official visit or at the latest um, he wants to make one very quickly after making that June official visit. Excuse to wherever he ends up going, but I think Nebraska's in a good spot. And as far as the Fordham game goes, it, it's funny. It feels like it would not be a big deal um, because of the opponent, but another early recruiting date where it'll still be warm. Um, probably, hopefully, we'll get a night game if you're in Nebraska because that just maximizes um, the amount of time that you have to get guys in for flights. Those 11 a.m. games are just brutal to get people here from far away. Um, but even if you were not able to do that, you could still have kind of a local recruiting weekend. It's just really nice to be able to get an additional early recruiting weekend uh, to sell the program. Now, Greg, about this time last year, it seemed like every week we called you and we'd get a Fedoni update. We were on Fedoni Watch. <laughs> and I don't think that MJ Morris is going to be that guy this year. It's been a bit of a different recruiting year, but if he's looking to make his announcement in June, we're not going to have that kind of weekly update. Are there any guys that the Huskers are going after right now where you think maybe come August, come September, all the Husker fans are going to know their name and are going to be wanting an update on them? Man, that's a great question. Um, that's going to be tough because what I kind of think is going to end up happening um, is you're going to have a bunch of guys that become household names early in June, especially those guys that are making official visits. Um, you're Landon Sampson's Jared. Jaron Kanak is maybe a guy like in the near future that is that is definitely becoming that. Um, but then it's I think the board after that will totally flip up because after more evaluations happen, I think you're going to see a lot of shuffling on the boards. So that's a really good question. I don't think that there's going to be a single guy throughout the cycle or for like half the cycle like that unless KNAC decides to take things um, a little bit further down the road. Talk to me a little bit here uh, with the the portal and any names or guys you're, you're thinking about for Nebraska. Greg, is it safe to circle defensive back and pass rusher is where Nebraska could use a couple of scholarships? Yeah, I think so. I think those, to me, are the two leading spots. Um, it, it, it's interesting with with defensive backs because I think specifically cornerbacks are the spot that they could use a guy um, just because you're, you have a little bit of unknown still, even though we kind of locked Clinton Newsom into that uh, spot opposite Cam Taylor Britt, um, you still don't quite know. So you'd like to have another guy out there, a pure corner um, that has some experience out there. It would be really nice for this defense. Um, and a pass rusher is always welcome. Like you, you still, I think a lot of people around here feel good about Phil Darius Payne um, and where his game could go after having a full year of, of, of Big Ten football and strength and conditioning. But it's kind of a grab bag after that. And you don't know what you're going to get. So a pass rusher is always welcome in those cases. Do you uh, do you feel good about Butler and, and Blaze at least? Are, are you hesitant to project more progress or do you think they're ready to, to maybe – see some time, see some situational uh, playing time based on what you saw in the spring game. Is that, is that too much of a, uh, a, a leap or a jump based on one half of football? 
I don't think so with Blaze Gunnarsson. I don't think so. I think that some situation. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Some situational um, snaps out there for him would be great. You know, he made it through the spring um, without any injuries, and that really had been his thing. Just the injury bugs. He's physically well put together, got a high motor, and he's a good football player. And seems to have made the adjustment uh, from Iowa high school football well. Um, he just needs to continue to get reps and be out there. So if he could get situational play this year, I think that that would be huge because I still think he has a bright future. Um, you just got to keep him out there consistently. With Jamari Butler, I mean, he, he didn't have a bad uh, bad last weekend either. I mean, he was able to make no. some moves. Yeah, he definitely was, and that's a guy that's kind of a wild card, right? Um, if you hadn't heard about him for a little while since he had been here, and then he kind of reemerges at the spring game, um, so he still definitely has potential as well. And if they can get, if they could get both of those guys going, um, that would really, really help this defense because you feel pretty good about basically every other spot, even moving forward in the future on this defense, um, based on what you've seen and who they have. They just haven't been able to get that consistent guy on the outside linebacker, and not just you know you've got to get guys that can rush the passer, but they really want guys maybe like a Gunnarsson who can stay out there all three downs and can play and rush the passer and hold up in the run game. Greg, uh, about 30 seconds. What's on the grill? Oh, today we were actually doing uh, like a seasoned cod in the air fryer. We're not going grill. I'm planning on that later in the week because I think it's actually supposed to be in the 70s. I need summer and spring weather to actually reappear here in Lincoln. Man, and uh, you know, thanks uh, for your message of, of inspiration and hope with uh, man the workout, which you posted on Facebook. Man, you've been grinding on the old Peloton, doing the weights. You got the uh, the gun show happening, you know, at the old tank top, and well done with that. So, are you uh, are you going to be able to about fifteen seconds? Have you done any any shrimp tacos on the grill? I have not done them on the grill. We have been experimenting with them, just kind of pan frying. Uh, the things like not actually like deep fry, but just pan right. searing them yeah. and throwing them on some tacos. We have done that, but I have not done it on the grill. Do I need to do that? You know what? I think we just got to uh, crack a cores and experiment. Is what I'm saying. Okay, I like it. Let's do it. All right, Greg Smith, you recruiting insider with Hale Varsity. Greg, take care. Thanks for the time. Hey, have a good week, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good info on the recruiting trail. Greg Smith, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Hale Varsity Radio, Monday. Charlie McBride, earlier this hour, we say hi to a Hall of Fame coach uh, with uh, Lincoln North Star. A lot of great years at North Star and now part of the Lincoln uh, Football Coaches Association. Uh, we welcome back in Mark Waller. Coach, how have you been? What's up? Good, Schmitty. Uh, not much. Just grinding away. Uh, just enjoying retirement from teaching. I am back into coaching up at Elkhorn South. And uh, we have a big event tonight. We're excited for that. And uh, life's good. Uh, very blessed. Well, you're awesome. And I'm so happy that uh, you're, you're coaching again. And I'm glad you're also able to enjoy uh, retirement. So, give us uh, some info here. Big event tonight uh, starts at six out of the uh, at Firethorn Reserve, and I should say uh, resort, not reserve. But uh, you know, you're always searching for uh, that reserve player to step in, right? When need be, if if someone goes down. Talk to me a little bit here about the the football coaches association that you've been a part of, Coach Hanson's a part of, and what you guys do. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just uh, all the Lincoln schools and their surrounding high schools from around Lincoln, Waverly, Seward, Crete, uh, multiple schools. All the HAC conference schools are, are usually members, and uh, 
We uh, put on some clinics, uh, usually in the month of February, March, and April, and then we got a big recruiting fair tonight. Uh, I know uh, a lot of college coaches are excited about tonight to be able to actually sit down in person and uh, visit with a high school coach face to face and uh, uh, find out about uh, you know their their potential student athletes in their high school program that maybe uh, can go on and play at the next level. Mark Waller is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and a great event uh, tonight here, the LFCA uh, clinic going on, and uh, that's out at Firethorn. The uh, the resort region starts at 6, and you've had a lot of kids that, uh, that you coached that have spent time, and they've gone on to play high-level college football. They've gone on to different levels of college football, and you've been on that, that other side of it, and now you're kind of using, Coach Waller, your expertise to, to help kind of get the word out. You know, what have you seen change, and how is this year going to be a welcome difference from last year with, with the pandemic as far as just being able to get the word out and the interaction between coaches and coaches kind of sticking up for their kids? Yeah, you know, it's you know we found out this past year at uh, Elkhorn South where you know we have you know we have a, a great pool of kids that can go on and play at the next level, but you know it was a little harder to be recruited at those Division two Division three schools because they weren't exactly sure the college coaches what their roster was going to look like with the pandemic, having kids being able to come back and play an extra year. Uh, we're still having fighting that problem a little bit right now, but. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I know the the college coaches are excited. They've been locked down on campus. Uh, they haven't been able to get into the high schools uh, to visit with uh, the high school coaches about the the prospects of their student athletes. So, uh, but uh, you know, I, I I think we're gonna have a great turnout tonight, and it's a great deal for the players. It's a great pro- or, or deal for the the high school program uh, for this recruiting event tonight. Coach, we've done a lot of talking over the past year but just about how much COVID has changed the, uh, the lives of high school student-athletes, uh, taking away seasons at times, uh, taking away training opportunities. But we, we haven't really focused on just how different it's been for high school coaches. So, so can you talk a little bit about just how COVID has changed how high school coaches have to operate? Yeah, you know, we had to be really careful, uh, follow a lot of protocols dating all the way back to last summer. Uh, when we started uh, the weight room, we were limited to a, num- the, a number of student-athletes that we could have in the weight room at a time. We had to keep them in that same group uh, throughout the whole summer. Uh, we had to take temperature checks, uh, everything in the fall before every practice. Uh, they had a, a certain area where they would go and uh, get ready for practice in terms of warm-ups. Uh, throughout the whole fall. So, you know, there were just a lot of different measures that high school coaches and programs had to take. Uh, but uh, hopefully we're, we're gaining ground and we're expecting this summer uh, to be a little bit back more to normal. And uh, uh, in terms of summer weight room, workouts, uh, summer camps, that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it was what it was, and we battled through it, and uh, we were able to get in the season, and uh, we're, we're really looking forward to 2021. Mark Waller's with us. He's uh, over at Elkhorn South, longtime head coach at Lincoln North Star, president of the Lincoln Football Coaches Association, and uh, their clinic tonight uh, out at the Firethorn Resort starts at 6 and a great opportunity for coaches to get together with coaches and also players to be able to, to kind of get some, some face time and kind of get their recruitment process going. And, Coach, uh, a last thought here as you, uh, you look forward. 
just a, an overview. If, if somebody wants to to get involved, sponsor, just be a be a part of the outreach with the Lincoln Football Coaches Association, you know, how do they do that? Where do they go? And I've been able to be invited to some of these events just as a spectator, and it, it's wonderful. Not only the the speaker, the guests you have, the speakers, but just the, the amount of football that's covered. It's really a, a great setup you have. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it was a little different this past spring with uh, the pandemic where sure. instead of three different events, we had a one-day in-person event in April. Uh, Nebraska came and spoke, Coach Rude, uh, Coach Tudiota. Uh, we had UNK come in and speak, and then we had Iowa Western. So we actually combined the three events into one. Um, we had a great turnout, uh, a lot of great speakers. Uh, we are very grateful. Uh, Nebraska Orthopedics have been really good. Dino's uh in terms of sponsorships, if people want to get involved, they contact me or actually Jim Hansen, uh, Coach Coach Hansen at Lincoln Pius High School. Uh, but uh, you know, it's been it's been good. I think for the the high schools in the city of Lincoln and the surrounding area. Uh, I used to travel up to Omaha to the Metro clinics and. Uh, Every time I drive back to Lincoln, wondering, well, why don't we get a, a, an association going to Lincoln? So with the help of Coach Petula from Southeast, Coach Hanson from Pius, we were able to get this up and running. I think back in 16 was our very first time. I believe our first speaker ever was Coach Langsdorf, who was on uh, Mike Riley's staff. But uh, it's, a, it's been a good event. I think it's been good for the high schools in the city of, of Lincoln and the surrounding area. And we're uh, hoping to just uh, keep growing and, and, and improving and getting things better. Coach, what's your impression like with just the, the amount of high school talent you're seeing in the region, the level? Well, I think we got a, a good nucleus of, of athletes. Uh, there are a lot of good players in the Metro. Uh, uh, we, I, I'm truly blessed to uh, coach a, a fine player in, in Maverick Noonan. He's only going to be a junior. He's got uh, seven or eight Power 5 offers already and uh, at Elkhorn South. Uh, I think there's some good players in the city of Lincoln. Uh, there's a, a really good linebacker I know in, in Columbus. There's a good old lineman at Omaha Central. Uh, so there's been a lot of good football in the uh, state of Nebraska in terms of prospects the last year or two. Mark Waller, coach, enjoy tonight uh, out of Firethorn, and, and thanks for what you're doing. Okay. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks, Schmitty. Take care. Take care. There he is. Mark Waller with his uh, assistant out of the Elkhorn South and longtime head coach at uh, Lincoln North Star. Really uh, took that program from when the school opened and they were they were in postseason a lot. Fantastic and really great group here. When you look at the board members here of the Lincoln Football Coaches Association, of course, uh, Mark Waller's the president. Ryan Gatula, of course, uh, Elijah. You know, Coach Gatula. He played for him at Southeast. Ryan Cardi and uh, Coach Hanson from Pius. Uh, Reed Manstadt, uh, Greg Nelson. So. Uh, love what those guys do. Yeah, I know a few of those guys, and, and they always just put the kids first. You heard that from Waller. We're talking about the, what changed during COVID. It wasn't mm-hmm. all this was terrible for me. It was here's what we had to do for the kids, and, and that, that's what these ready. guys do. They, they always put the kids first. Well, and, and they've had some great speakers uh, between guys from Nebraska staff, Iowa Western Community College. We'll wind down on Monday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time tomorrow, Mitch Sherman will be with us. The Athletic. Athletic's doing a, a feature, kind of a series on games 
where a program got beat, the team was downed, and you're still feeling the effects 20 years later as a program. And they started off with Trestle's first win over Michigan when Ohio State kind of snapped that Michigan dominance. And prior to Tattoo Gate, Trestle, I think, went eight or nine and one against Michigan. So you know it's looming at some point this week. It's Nebraska-Colorado 2001. <laughs> uh, Gary Barnett with us later in the week. I'm sure. So. That'd be good to get his thoughts on that. But uh, what I'll say is, like, from my life, I, I don't remember a time whenever Michigan was the dominant team over Ohio State. They had some, I think I got to go back to, like, 04, where they were both ranked one and two. And it was an awesome game. It was a shootout. And then... From that point forth, it's Big been... Ten, Big Ten didn't have a conference title game because mm. they were the last to, to get in line on that. We didn't spend as much time on Husker baseball as we should have. I mean, they beat Rutgers. They hung on against Rutgers. They won 7-6 to six in 13 innings. Important note is 3-1 and one on the weekend, and uh, we'll see if they get any action next week, this weekend, this upcoming weekend against... Uh, a, a COVID pause Northwestern. And we have the NCAA. Uh, they're deciding their top 20 regional spots, I believe, at the end of this week. Yes. Uh, so we'll see if the Huskers can, can crack that. They'll, they'll be close now, I think, after this weekend. I'm not sure if if they're going to be able to reclaim it. after. I mean, Still time. You're now 2-3 and three against Rutgers this, this year, which is a lot better than 0-3, mm-hmm. a little bit better. Maybe it's the, the fan support and what they did against Rutgers this week is enough to get them in that, that top 20, but it, it'll be a... It'll be a tough battle to try to get one well, of those Well, it's going to come down to Creighton and TD Ameritrade. And you got to win out, obviously, if you're Nebraska. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt if used properly. Seatbelts can and will reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Rick Kaczynski with us tomorrow. The Pirate is in for Wednesday. Mike Leach will be with us. So uh, pretty loaded up. And uh, check the podcast out. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play is where you find us. Give a rating. Tell us what you think, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, We will file it and uh, appreciate it greatly. Let's qualify you one more time. Again, this giveaway with the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff is the 21st of May. Got to be listening to win on ESPN Lincoln. But uh, you're invited to wherever you hear us uh, across the state to dial in the Weber Grill from Capitol Patio and the Flame Shop, the gift card from Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, the gift card to Leon's Gourmet, some meat for your grill. Call now, qualify now, 1-800-825-5865 or dial us up 466-3776-466-37. 76 800 825 5865 can log on ESPNLincoln.com. Qualify there as well, but we'll take a name and throw it in the old box and uh, we'll draw for you. Coming up May 21st, the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff a grill, a gift card to Campbell's, a gift card to Leon's, that grill from Capital Patio. Caller 9 now 466 3776. Back at you tomorrow at 4. Thanks.